0: Well, good morning. Good, morning. good morning. I actually wasn't sure how many folks would uh, be here today, so it's really great to see all your faces. Sorry, I got to do the mask thing, but that's, that's a necessary evil. But it is great to be back on uh, East Carolina's uh, campus today so uh what i want to kind of do a real uh quick background on me you heard a little bit there but i need to tell you a couple stories of what things that shaped my my mind uh my life my career and then um i'll talk to you a little bit more about some specifics on some of the things i want to make sure you glean uh today is that fair enough uh, so uh, as he said that uh, I, I was uh graduated here actually was, uh, it was actually the school of business at that point um just aging myself uh, just a little bit I just turned 41, and uh, I went to, I came to East Carolina as a sophomore, and when I graduated, uh, it was basically my junior year, I got involved in SGA, and I kind of figured out where, where I wanted to go in life and, and focus on the things that, that made me happy or I loved. I always loved business, computers, and politics, so I knew that would be something I would end up doing somehow, some way. It's kind of cool that that is exactly what I'm doing today, making a living, uh, those three things. I'll tell you a little bit more about that. Uh, later. So I got out of school, went and ran my future mother-in-law's restaurant. Uh, Two things, uh, we did that for a couple years. It was a casual dining restaurant, a really great place in downtown Kinston. It's actually no longer there, but uh, two things I will never do again. Can you guess? One is run a restaurant. Uh, That is very difficult work. Uh, People don't appreciate you. If it's not the truck that's late, it's the employee that's late, or the wine's not chilled. It was always a challenge. If you ever want to get into management, that is a great place to start. Uh, but the second thing that I'll never do again is work for my in-laws. Love them to death, but that is just not something I highly recommend for, for most people. I would do anything for, but that was, that was tough. Uh, I, I was recruited to manage downtown Kinston, uh, did that for a few a couple years. That was really neat because I got to learn the, the civic side of our community from an organizational standpoint. I was already heavily involved in the civic side. Uh, of Kinston at the time but i got to understand more of the who the mayor was what the city council did what a what a board does what is does was a budget do what, what does a balance sheet really mean what does profit and loss statement really mean how does that impact it in the nonprofit world so those are things i did for a couple years as well as trying to recruit businesses to come downtown to redevelop uh, properties in fact y'all have you ever heard of a uh, restaurant in kinston called chef and the farmer by chance that actually that building was acquired while i was the product of director it's a really neat thing and that the the owners wanted to need a tax write-off they had enough money it was a chance for them to donate it to us who we were then able to sell it to them for like a dollar or whatever uh, and uh it, it was two years later the chef and the farmer so it was really neat to be on the beginning side of what ultimately became something that had a major impact on our community and north carolina uh, uh to be exact got into sales uh the uh, commission only sells for a decade you wanna learn how to, uh, to get to talk to business owners and develop relationships and have that B2B experience, going to commission sales is something I highly recommend. I think most people should do it or at least try it uh, because one thing that's really important when you're doing commission only sales is making sure that, um, that this meeting I'm having doesn't determine whether or not I eat tonight because if that is the case, if that's gonna be the meeting that decides whether or not you're able to pay your mortgage that month, then you're going to put too much pressure on yourself and you're going to come across uh, as um, as needy does that make sense and so it really had to work on developing the skill set of everybody was really important I would talk to I really want to genuinely want to get to know them need to understand what their problems were so that I then could present the solution which was always my company correct uh, my company was always the solution but trying to figure out what what those what those challenges they were having, needle them just a little bit, and then helping them overcome that through a product that my company offered. I did that for 10 years. It was a great experience. Uh, In the middle of that, I actually ran for mayor at 25 and lost. Uh, It's not something that gets talked about a lot, but the first time I ever ran for office, I I lost. The the fun part was I was expected to lose. The even better part is I came really close to winning. And so what it taught me, uh, I remember getting a phone call from a congressman He's still serving in office. Uh, His name is G.K. Butterfield. Uh, I don't know if he represents this area or not. I can't remember how they changed the districts, but uh, Representative Butterfield called me, and now, full disclosure, I'm a Republican, and he's a Democrat. Like, he was Congressional Black uh, Caucus chairperson, really good friends with President Obama. He called me one day, um, and he said, it was like two or three days later, and he said, um, said, BJ, I just want to let you know that I was really impressed with you, young man. He said um, that the people who voted for you now are your base right if they're willing to support you at 25 then those people are most likely always going to support you and it was such a profound i mean even to this day i mean this was 16 18 years ago still has a major impact on me today because those are people who were in the trenches with me when i wasn't supposed to win right had a major impact on my life i've always i've told them that a few times later how much that that conversation meant to me so i lost at 25. Uh, I was tr- people try to convince me to run for a city council a couple years. Oh, you should get the experience. I said no. If I'm ever going to run, I want to be the guy, right? I, I want to be the person leading. So I ran again at 29 and won. Uh, fun fact about that was uh, three people were in that race. Four thousand some hundred votes were cast. I won by 51 votes. Absolutely changed my life. I actually paid a consultant to help me figure out how to do it. So instead of just knocking on every door I could possibly do when I did at 25, I only knocked on doors of people who actually voted in the municipal election. Big difference, think about that. How many people actually voted this year or in the presidential election last year versus how many people are gonna vote this year when the mayor's race is up now. It's a huge difference and just understanding the statistics and the probabilities and who who is most likely to vote and then who is most likely to support me, that was how I won that race. So it had a major impact on my life. I, I ran again four years later, served eight years, I actually lost uh, uh, three years, four years ago, I actually lost a race. But the two things that happened while I was mayor that had a, a big impact on me as well one was Hurricane Irene I think that was around 2011 I believe it's when Hurricane Irene came through it was a big kind of a wind hurricane it wasn't a lot of rain it wasn't a lot of flooding but it really just took out a lot of power I mean my house was without power for five days uh we had some people without power for 10 to 15 days uh but during that experience I picked up this little thing uh called a cell phone And I went on Facebook because what happens is not a lot of times when you're in leadership position, you're doing, uh, you're working with seven, nine and 12 and your local papers. They don't always see what you're doing as being newsworthy or they're too busy doing something else. So I decided that I needed to have a conversation with the people, regardless of what seven, nine and 12 were doing, regardless of what the free press was doing. It didn't matter. I was still going to have a conversation with people, at least let them know what I knew was going on. The cool thing about what happened when I did that was, then people would let me know what was happening on the streets in their community. And so then I was able to relay information about real-time things happening. And I did it through social media, through Facebook Lives, et cetera. Imagine a Facebook Live of a mayor or a president in the Emergency Operations Center when everything is happening in real time. That's what I did, and it was kind of neat for people to see the behind the scenes without disclosing sense of information about what, what the operations were, what we're actually doing. Does that make sense? you got to be real careful about that, too. That's why when you see pictures of, like, when, uh, when bin Laden was killed in the raid, you only not see, like, a still image. You don't hear about what's going on in the, back, in, in the room. But there's reasons for that. But that was big. And then a few years later, we had a, another hurricane. Y'all remember a hurricane called Matthew, by chance? How many of y'all were impacted by that? Uh, I, I, I know my, my community was greatly. So... Um, Over the years of of being forced to get into social media, uh, I I learned some of the things you do and don't. When I went live one day, I had, I think in a 24 hour period, I had about 40,000 views on just one Facebook Live idea, sitting at a barricade. I think I did about uh, 20 some interviews with stations from literally around the world, uh, just because of the impact it was gonna have on our community and what we were doing to prepare for a flood. And so all those years of the business to business experience and all those years developing relationships put me in a position that when my, my city needed me the most, I was I was well prepared for that moment. Does that make sense? Uh, so that was a lot of fun. But here's one thing I learned. This is where I'm going to kind of transition into the business is that when I did a kind of a case study of my own of uh, what, what do businesses need and why people respond to social media, what I realized is that most small businesses haven't uh, made a Facebook post in the last three days or maybe three weeks or three months or they haven't engaged with anybody so they understand you need to have a social media presence but they don't really they don't really have an active presence they're not intentional about that presence does that make sense it's kind of a oh it's six o'clock I need to make a post today so let me figure out what today is national chocolate ice cream day so let me go do that real quick there, there's no real value there's no plan there's no structure to it it is just an oh by the way kind of a post. And I think that is the absolute worst way to do it. And so when I realized that, I made the decision that I was actually going to change my career completely, start a new business on my own. Uh, and that's when Magic Media started in December of 2016. Uh, the next year actually lost uh, the mayor's race. So after I picked up a, uh, some clients, lost the, the mayor's race, uh, uh, that next spring, this idea of Um, how do you take social media and apply it to the news world was, was something I was discussing with some friends and we started a business called News News. And basically the idea is very simple. Uh, how many of you get hate pop up ads, despise them. My thumb's always too big. I'm hitting on the ad, not the X, right? Um, how many of you try to go read a story only to get hit with a paywall, right? Frustrating. So all the things that made me mad about trying to get access to local news, I did the exact opposite so I made it free. Uh, it's 80, some percent of our traffic's on a mobile device. So it's real mobile friendly. Uh, there are no AP news because guess what? If you need to find out what's happening with president Biden today or what happened at nine 11 services, every national news outlet was covering it. But what is, what about little Johnny who just hit a grand slam after he just recovered from uh, cancer surgery at age 11? right you don't get those kind of stories in the national news you get them in your local news and so those are the things we focused on the little things the hyper local things in our backyard so we grew really quickly and today uh we've got close to 5,000 subscribers which is two and a half uh times our local print product in our community we don't have the the same revenue but i'm going to win the long game game because we're free and we're putting out quality content every single day in fact to be real specific we put out between three and 12 pieces of content a day If you multiply that, those are just the stories. If you multiply that by the newsletter, the website, LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, six times, every single one of those uh, stories gets posted across all those platforms. We've done that every day for three years. And it's free, completely free. How you treat others and the motivation that drives you. In other words, what is your intent? That's the way I look at ethics. What is your intent behind this decision, behind who this person you're hiring? What is your intent? What is the purpose behind it? Uh, so one thing that I really like to think about, and I talk to our team about this a lot, is that the more money our, t- our company makes, the more I'm going to share that with, with, our, with our employees. I'm going to go a little bit more about that uh, here. So kind of one of the philosophies that drives how I started our business and how we've grown so much is I really look at uh, the employees more as a, as a team. So it's it's less about managing people and more about inspiring others to make decisions, right. And, and go all in on what makes them happy. And I, I, maybe I'm wrong on that philosophy It's it's worked for me. And I think it's led to a more productive and happier uh, lifestyle. So uh, COVID hit last year, our revenues were the exact same as the year before. Now, would you say that's a good thing or a bad thing? Good. Good. I was tickled to death the fact that I didn't have to cut anybody and our revenues were the exact same. And guess what happened this year? So far this year, we're up 40%. So there's three fundamentals uh, to transition an idea to profit. The first one I'm gonna talk about is treat people fairly and like family. Work hard and let go of a fearing failure. And the third one is to solve more problems by empowering others to make decisions. So The first one is treat people fairly and like family. So uh, when we make more money, I reward the whole team right? Like, I'm not worried about my bonus or anything like that. I want to make sure that everybody else is taken care of. So I'm really big on making sure that the people work with me um, uh, are, are excited about coming to work. One way I do that is, and it's, it's intentional, but I'll, it's very genuine is I am genuinely concerned about and you heard this from my keynote this morning about the mental health status of my team, right? Are you happy? If you're genuinely concerned about people's happiness, then one, you're gonna have a better culture, right? People are gonna be more excited about coming to work. And also, the really cool thing from the actual business, the black and white side of business, your team will be more productive as well. Wouldn't you agree with that statement? That's exactly what happens. Because I'm focused on their happiness, not, not uh, pacifying, not placating. You know, there is a business, we make business decisions But I am genuinely concerned about whether or not they're happy, because if they're not, I need to find a way to help them, even if it has nothing to do with business. I have two people that worked for me in the past two years. Both were not in great relationships. Both of them females. And over a period of time, through these conversations, these one-on-one conversations, both of them were able to empower themselves and make some really tough decisions. And they're both living happier lives today because of it. And guess what happens? Because I was so invested in helping them achieve a certain goal without, without interfering, right? Without getting in there and making a phone call or going knock on somebody's door. No, not, I just mean about the emotional support of why that was so important to them, uh, that both of them are now making more money today. They both are more happy today. And You can ask them and I, and I promise that's what would happen. So it's really, I, to me, that's really important in the workplace. Um, but I will tell you an example where I messed up and I did this fairly recently. Uh, a couple girls, they actually, uh, one's come to ECU now and the other one went to App State. Um, uh, worked with me for the last two or three years and I had a, a client coming from Davison County. Anybody from the Lexington area? Uh, Davison County. And they were coming into town, they were spending to spend night, uh, hang out at the Mother Earth, Motor Lodge, go to a baseball game with us at the Wood Ducks and, and all those kind of things. Oh, by the way, while I was mayor, we lost our baseball team. And then we landed the texas rangers which was really cool going to going to sit uh sit in the texas rangers box uh, uh oh gosh uh yeah some fun stories I had, I had a great time but um so I had, I had this client coming from out of town well i had my entire team hang out with our client got the box we had dinner and all that stuff i paid for everything um but there was two people on my team i didn't let come and i made the assumption that they understood why I mean, they were going to college in like two weeks. So why would I invest all this extra money in this outing, this team outing when they were leaving us, right? Because this client was going to be here. This was a big deal to us. And I didn't figure this out until the day before they were leaving. And I felt so bad. And the reason why, how I messed up is that I I didn't, I was not intentional about taking the hour, 30 minutes or so, and just pulling them aside, hey, how are things going? But once they understood the business decision of, of why I needed to let this person bring a boyfriend right? Because I need I, she was that important. I want to make sure that the boyfriend came. It wasn't about uh, you not being involved in the team because I made up made up for we, we did two big bashes the week they left. But I had to make it a, a business decision. And, and I failed to recognize that my decision to not let them do something or go so, somewhere actually affected their performance. And I felt guilty about it and I apologized to both of them. The second thing I want to mention was work hard let go of fe- uh, fearing failure. I, I am curious so I can get a lay of the room. How many of y'all are wanting or already doing your own business? Wanting to, do your own, wanting to start your own business? Okay, and that's fine. There, there's no wrong answer here. Um, this may be a little bit more specific, uh, specifically geared towards you just for a second, but I think it can apply to everybody uh, here in the room. And that is you can never expect a team member to work harder or to care more about your business than you. You never can expect them to do that. The day you try to impose your will that they should care about this business as much as you do, that is the day that person is probably going to leave you. Because you can never expect them to do that. Yes, you have your own family things, your own financial things, your own goals and dreams, but guess what? So do they. If you if this is your business, you cannot, you cannot let someone outwork you. I work hard. I'm up all hours of the day and night. Uh, I might get to work at 8.15 or so because I've dropped off a, a kid to school. I might leave at 4 o'clock to go do something, but at 7 o'clock or 8 o'clock or 9 o'clock, it's still on me. At 12 o'clock, when it's payday, it's still on me. Does that make sense? I'm always carrying that burden of the business. They will never outwork me. But I've also hired people who are smarter than me to do jobs as well, and, and also things that I, that I don't want to do or, don't, or shouldn't do, and it's something that I'm going to mention here in a second. Uh, the second thing is... I be, be willing to take calculated risk. I went to Busch Gardens this weekend. First time I've been to Busch Gardens in a couple decades. Um, it was a girl's trip and I talked myself into going and taking my youngest daughter, who's nine, and got on one of those big, first time she ever got on a big roller coaster. She was scared to death. She hated it, but it was great. And, and she, she talked about how big a girl she was. We had a, a great time. But you know how many roller coasters I rode this weekend? One when I was in your seat I rode them all like five times each I mean I was the guy getting off off the ride and running around and get back in the front line but I realized the older I've gotten uh I've I've calculated the risk and I've said eh, that's not for me I care more about my stomach this afternoon you know I, it's, it's everybody's best interest for me not to go on the teacups I did not I sent my daughter to do the teacup ride by herself right because i know that how my body responds to that wouldn't be good for her or for me or, or anything else um and so for me that was that was that was taking a calculated risk of mitigating my risk by not doing some things but you know the cool thing about being a parent uh, i've got two girls nine and thirteen the cool thing about being a parent is i had just as much joy watching my little girl with her feet dangling going you know 100 feet down just like that uh and watching her go through that and experiencing that thrill the scare, scariness of it and then getting off the ride I had such a joy watching that as a parent I can't it's really hard to to explain but in in business uh there's a limited amount of money uh and you've got to make very difficult decisions at times and one thing I want to make sure you, you you understand is I think the only way you can progress and move forward and grow is by taking a risk every once in a while whether that is hiring one extra person in what you need, or whether that is actually firing a client like I did this past week, right? That's a tough call. I've got employees to pay. And I just fired a client that was paying us close to two grand a month. I said, I can't do this anymore. It's not worth my mental health. The last thing I want to mention then I'm going to a few other bullet points and you got me Robert, right? Um, Is to solve problems by empowering others to make decisions. I really cannot stress this enough. In fact, As I was discussing this talk with my team the other day, we kind of it up and I said, hey, look, I'm talking to ECU on Monday. Here's where my head is. Here's what I submitted. I just want to kind of get an idea of what y'all think. What I realized is that once I got quiet and I let my team kind of give their input, I looked at them at the end of it and I said, why don't y'all just come with me? And once they introduce me, I'll introduce y'all and then I'll sit down and the reason is because they know our business so well they know the philosophy so well of how I think about social media how I think about business how they, how they do their jobs but that the truth is I've taught them enough and I've poured enough of me into them that they actually could give this entire talk today and when I made that statement they all laughed and said yep we could we don't want to they hate public speaking but they they honest to goodness could do that because of how close knit our group really is and how much I really I really trust them. Uh, but the last few things I want to end with you and then I'll take some questions are basically uh, four philosophies that have really driven how I go about um, about the, my business. The first one I really can't stress enough either and that is trust is greater than skill. I mean that I would much rather hire somebody that I trust who knows, who knows nothing about how to make a Canva graphic, who knows nothing about YouTube, knows nothing about TikTok, who knows nothing about the business, the business side of, of social media. Because a lot of you, you're used, you grew up on Snapchat, right? You grew up on snapping friends and taking selfies and all that stuff. But applying that to the business world is a completely different game. It's a different mindset. It's a different philosophy. I need those skills, right? But I need somebody I can trust more than that, that has that skill. So that's really important to me when I'm hiring folks. Like the last person I hired, I, I don't know if she, how she felt about it, but I, I did it anyway, is that when she came in the interview, it wasn't in a, a separate room. Like she's, my office is laid out that you walk in, you got Aletha's back to us. I'm facing Alitha, So Aletha is literally where we're sitting just like this. We're sitting this far apart where we can see each other. Uh, the the next person in my office, Christy, sitting right here. I could I could I can touch her if I need to. The Norma Jean's on the other side of her table. Behind me sits Danny uh, and a couple of our digital media specialists. So everybody in my office is is literally within 20 feet of each other. It's kind of like a little Google workplace. It's it's a lot of fun. So guess what? When she came to interview, I sat her right in the middle of the room. I led the interview, but but the whole team participated in it. You know why that's important to me? because the culture of my business is really important because people being happy and making sure that this person could bring, just like the speaker said, some diverse uh, opinions and thoughts to the business. Correct. But also that I need to make sure that the culture is going to continue to thrive, that this person is going to add value to this culture, not not take away by being very negative. Does that make sense? I've had negative people in our business. And I'll tell you some of the two best days I've had are when I got rid of those negative uh people in our community in our business people not willing to do the extra thing uh always doubting something those are people I don't want involved in uh, the business the second one is relationships are greater than money if anything I could stress to you today as you go through this networking uh experience is to network with the speakers network with your the faculty and staff here uh, network with each other because you don't know where you're going to be 10 years or 20 years from now and you don't know how those relationships will matter there was a gentleman i don't know if he's still in the room uh jim westmoreland uh, he just stepped out i guess uh, he had a big impact on me when i was here at east carolina he's since retired i was really happy to see him here today and uh when i was sworn in as mayor he was there like relationships are greater than money. I didn't really understand this until about five, ten years ago. I didn't, I just, it just didn't. I was always about, go to A to B. I, I, if, I, if I had to go to see a client at the beach, I went straight to the client and went straight back home. And then one day my city clerk called. She said, well, did you check out that little spot? And I said, what do you mean, Monique? She's like, did you stop? No, I'm get back to the office. She said, you need to smell the roses every once in a while, BJ. She was right. What she was trying to tell me is that it's not always about the A to B, the money side of things, that you do have to take time to do the other things. You become a more well-rounded person. The relationships that you develop here, the relationships you develop in your first or second or third job could be very well the thing that that changes your life forever. Uh, The third one is doers are greater than complainers. If you're going to complain, I don't want you. I want people who are proactive. I want people who are going to do something, who are going to take the ball. I want somebody bringing me ideas, not me imposing my will on them. Does that make sense? I want to hear what you've got to say. I want to hear how how if I got a, one of our first clients, he's still with us. His name is Jim Caps. He's in Dover. It's a, it's a trailer business. I want to hear how we can convince Jim to do a TikTok, right? A silly dance. Like I got to convince Jim that hey, this is a good idea for your business, right? How do we do that? And I, and I promise you, it has Jim's business since we've been with him is up well over 100% in the last four years. He's done amazing things, but he also works hard and he's not a complainer. He's willing to listen to somebody who knows what they're talking about. Uh, The last one is to master the mundane. If you wanna be successful in making money, uh, I've already talked about the ethics and about about hiring people and being happy. I want you to consider about mastering the mundane. When you get out of this university, you think you're gonna make 120 grand your first year. I'm gonna tell you, you're crazy uh that you've got to work your way up there and the way you do that is to master the basic things it's side to side anybody ever watch the movie hitch Remember the movie hitch got will smith in it remember kevin james he was this guy who should have never gotten the hot blonde you know like he was a big burly guy and he should have never gotten the girl of his dreams right but he had an opportunity to take her out dancing right y'all remember this if you watched it he had an opportunity to take her out dancing and will smith would go oh, that's great that's awesome and he goes hold on a second uh, can you show me some of those moves you plan on sharing? And so he started doing this pizza thing, and he was going to do this Q-tip thing, and and Will Smith he was like he was the love doctor. He just stood there. and He was like, mm 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 mm. He said, "This is what I want you to do." And he just said, "Just go side to side, right?" He said, "Because if you can master this, you can get to other stuff later. But right now, right now, this is what you got to do, right?" And that's the way I think about business. Before we take that big leap, before I ever got on TikTok, I. I watched and I studied and I thought about it. And I said, well, from a business perspective, this is how we can apply it to our clients. I had a TikTok uh, two weeks ago. it got close to 400,000 views on it. You know what's really special about it? Absolutely nothing. Absolutely nothing. It was silly. I, I, I was in the coffee shop. Danny happened to be with us. And I realized at that moment I forgot my daughter who was at the office because she she had a close contact with COVID and the policy she tested negative but she, the policy was she has to be out of, out of school for a few days and I realized that I left my daughter the office you know a block and a half I had an employee there but it was just the moment caught on camera and it was a, it was it was silly and it was funny but my, my point is when I think about our business we're in the attention business not the news or the advertising or sales business if I can get your attention right here then I can sell you something. If I can get your attention and you like, know, and trust me, then you might shoot me an email or send me a a connect, right? And maybe there's some way I can help you along the way. Does that make sense? And so that's what it was about. It's not about making money on TikTok. I could care less. You know, if you go to my website, it's bjmurphy360.com, I don't sell anything there. I'm not the guy that's trying to sell books or T-shirts or stuff. In fact, if you go there, you see about 90 episodes of what we're doing here, which is the journey, which is a vlog of everything that happens in our business. You know why I'm doing that? It's because I want my great-great-grandkids to know who I, who I was. I know that's very vain, but you know what? My grandfather was a Baptist minister, and he preached 15 years. He had 12 kids. 12. My dad being the youngest one of them. You know how many, how many audio tapes I have of him? How many of his sermons I got to listen to? Not a one. He died 10 years before I was born. It's not, I might be the central character But if you ever go back and look at any of those vlogs that we do, you'll notice that my team is is heavily involved. And some of them I'm not not even in. Um, Final thought I'll leave with you. I'll take some uh, questions. Whatever it is that makes you happy, whatever it is you're good at, I want you to go all in on that. I know in school, sometimes you're taught, you know, if you got a 79 in science, and a 93 in business that the best thing for your GPA is to take that 79 and make it an 85, right? Versus taking the 90 and trying to make it a 97. And I'm going to tell you to go all in on that fir- the, the latter one. The one that's going to make you happy, the one that you're good at. I'd much rather you spend, certainly you need to understand what your weaknesses are. You need to understand your, your SWOT analysis of you and your business. You've got to understand all that. But if I could tell you to go all in on something, for me... Business, computers, and politics. I'm in this, I'm in, I've got a, I own a digital communications firm that has uh, a, a, a hyperlocal digital news publication, uh, multiple uh, monthly retained social media clients, and we've helped another company in Lexington start a similar newsnews.com there. It's called DavidsonLocal.com. I've gone all in on things that make me happy, and guess what? My entire team wins for it. And I've given our community something that's free to them so that they can consume and be, be more proactive and better citizens. that makes sense? Go all in on what makes you happy, and I promise you'll live a more productive life, and you'll, you'll empower the people around you better. Did I get on time? On, on time. Uh, so with that, we've got just a few minutes. I knew I had 45 minutes. The truth is, you asked me one question, I could talk for another hour. I'm not going to do that to you. I know better. Uh, but if you have a question or if you got a thought or an idea, uh, I feel free. I'd love to hear from somebody. Yes. So you own your own business yes. and you also have a family. Mm-hmm. Surely that means that you have to work a lot of hours every week, mm-hmm. but you also must dedicate time to your family because they are important to you. Correct. How do you go about balancing this work and home life? <laughs> That's great. That's a great question. If you didn't hear it, it was it, the question in, in, in uh, essence is how do you balance work and home life? And I will tell you, if you follow people on social media and these social media gurus, you know, you know, you see the the private jet planes and the cash dropping from, you know, briefcases and stuff. That is a farce. Uh, That is not what real life is about. Real life is deciding that at two o'clock in the afternoon, I get a phone call from Banks Elementary School. I got to pick up my daughter because she had a close contact. So who's going to do that? My wife's a school teacher. She can't leave her autistic kids there by herself. Right. So I got to go do that. So how I balance it is my family always comes first. Always. In fact, the reason I do business is because of that. Um, so my family always comes first. The, the kids, they, they, they always come first. Um, but that also comes as a sacrifice in that I work a lot. Uh, I work hard, but I also take time to enjoy life and the fruits of those labors. Um, so I think what you see on social media a lot is not reality. Um, but it also comes with responsibility. When you're a business owner, I got to pay the bills. I got to pay Danny, I got to pay me. Uh, I got to put food on the table. I got to provide a service to our community, but my family's going to come first. Mm-hmm. Anybody else? Yes, ma'am. You mentioned about your philosophy that if your company does well, you're going to pass that money on to your employees. Do you have an actual like profit sharing program at your company or do you just kind of That's a great question uh the question was you know when i mentioned about making more money that i would kind of share that with the team there is not a a set there is not a uh, i don't i don't have an employee handbook yet so i mean we're still such a startup that like it was just six months ago that i actually created a sheet that says here are all the paid holidays for people working 32 hours or more a week um so i mean i just i just did that i've talked about the next step of how do we do the insurance side of of the benefits for our company, but we're still so small that that's, that's a challenge for somebody, for somebody like me. So there's not a profit sharing agreement. It is just understood that as, um, as we grow, my teams want to benefit from that. And I had these sit downs with them. Fact, actually, Danny and I were talking about that on the way here. Uh, I want to sit down with him. I got to get through having just fired a client. Uh, I got to get over that, that hurdle. But once we're able to recoup that, he and I are going to sit down and have that conversation as well. So, Uh, For me, it's not set in stone. For larger companies, those kind of things are set in stone. Should be. Another question. Yes. So trust is so important. How do you go about assessing whether somebody's trustworthy? It's a great question. How do you go about assessing whether or not somebody is trustworthy? I I think it has a lot to do with the number of tasks that I assign people. I am. even though I don't know how Danny goes about doing some of the really cool video edits, if you go look at our, some of our journey videos or podcasts and things, you'll see what I'm talking about. Um, but I know enough about video editing to know whether or not he's doing a good job. I know enough about his job to know whether or not uh, he's stealing hours, you know, putting hours down that he didn't work. I, I know enough about each person's job to understand uh, what the task is, how they should complete it. Um, but then I just focus on the, the task that only I should be doing. Uh, so uh, trust comes in a lot of ways. I will tell you that as a small business owner, I've, i told this to a, a new employee recently, she was like, you're always buying us coffee or buying us lunch. And I said, yeah, you know, I, I I'm always going to buy the lunch. My team goes to lunch. If I'm with you, I'm paying It is rare that I'm out to lunch with my team and we do a Dutch thing. Uh, so that, you know, that small act in and of itself creates such uh, a culture of we, we love each other, we trust each other, this is a team, this is who we are, this is what we do, that guess what? When somebody attacks me, my team is fierce in their defense. The same is also true. If somebody attacks a story that one of my writers wrote and questions integrity, I am all in on jumping down your throat. I will let the world know. Don't, don't, look, I had a city council member. I don't know, Brandon, if you saw this. I had a city council member a month ago. Uh, he, he called us the News News Insurgency. You know what we did? We filed a FOIA request, Freedom of Information Act request, for a meeting that they held off-site that was only done via audio, no video, where they tried, they honest to goodness tried to raise the taxes, give the employees no raises, and pay themselves more money. They voted on it that meeting. We disclosed that to the world. He called us the news News insurgency. You know what I did immediately since I heard it? I went on Facebook Live. I can't tell you how many people watched it. City Council meeting still behind me on the screen. I went on Facebook Live and I said, can you believe this is what just happened? And within three days, I had 100 shirts with the news News insurgency logo on it. We sold like 80 of them just like that. Because it was like, like, like people were attacking us for doing the community a service, right? And because of that, the loyalty around that is how our business has thrived. This is great. I love being back at East Carolina. If you want to network, you can. My email is bj at magicmile, not magic Magicmilemedia.com. Uh, as I said earlier, uh, we connect on LinkedIn, TikTok, YouTube, all that stuff. It's bj Murphy three sixty. Shoot me an email or text or, or Instagram. Uh, I'll be happy to reach back out. I've connected with a lot of ECU students. Um, and, uh, in fact, actually one was in the SGA office right above us just a while ago. It was one of my former interns, uh, and I'll be happy to help you any way I can. All right. Thank y'all so much. Enjoy the rest of your conference. Appreciate it.